When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Preying on poor women, and the Gotham police stand twiddling their thumbs. Your evening attire, sir. That was not the suit. I need Alfred. I mean to rid Gotham of the Ripper. He's a skilled hunter, and he's just getting started. You're studying me. You're a fascinating subject. I'm not just another pretty face. Bruce Wayne, you are under arrest. You can't imagine I'm actually the Ripper. The deluxe suite. I need to get out of here. Gotham needs the Batman. Every moment puts women in danger. that takes pop culture and reveals the real history lying just below the surface. I'm Jem Daduchu, and this time on Neon, we'll be talking about Gotham by Gaslight, which means, of course, we're going to be talking about the Elseworlds series of comics. We're going to be talking about Herman Mudgett's Murder Hotel, Jack the Ripper, and a good old-fashioned bit of American one-upmanship of the Ferris Wheel versus the Eiffel Tower. I guess I should also give you a fair warning that there will be a lot of Batman in this particular podcast. But before we launch into Gotham by Gaslight, it is worth reminding you that if you like this podcast, please do review it, do click subscribe. If you want to continue the conversation, we are Neon Podcast on Twitter and Facebook and indeed neonpodcast.com. It's a guy that's been creeping around since a 
You've been here for three and a half hours. Now, how many different ways do you want me to tell the same story? Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. I'm impressed. How many questions does it usually take to spot? As your leader, I encourage you from time to time, but always in a respectful manner, to question my logic. Now to run a computer check on this tape and the professor. Dodge this. The tracks go off in this direction. Let's get into the thick of things. And what I wanted to start off with is actually by pointing out for about the last 10 years, Marvel really have got it made when it comes to the movies. It's been quite a while since we've had something like The Dark Knight, which was one of the greatest comic book movies ever. Indeed, some people have said it's one of the greatest heist movies, full stop. But after the Dark Knight trilogy, and there's a lot of detractors against Dark Knight Rises, it's certainly by no means a bad movie, it just isn't as perfect as The Dark Knight. The fact of the matter is, it's plain to see to anybody that the DCEU is having fits and starts compared to the Marvel EU, which is just, oh sorry, it's a Marvel Cinematic Universe, so MCU. Marvel is kicking it when it comes to the movies. But that's not the same thing as saying that Marvel's got it their own way, all the way. And actually, the reason why I say all this is because there are a group of DC animated movies which are streets ahead of any kind of home entertainment that Marvel's producing. And actually, what a lot of the time DC is doing is going back to real classic DC stories, quite often graphic novels, and producing a movie around them. Something like, for example, Batman Year One, one of the highest regarded Batman stories ever, is now an animated movie, and it's a good one. There's one that sort of pulls together a couple of Batman stories. It's called Batman Under the Red Hood. That is definitely worth checking out. Some people think it's the best one, but perhaps the biggest granddaddy of them all is Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns, which is a massive graphic novel and absolutely changed the way we saw Batman. Up until that point, People thought more of the uh, 1960s style Batman rather than the gritty, sort of depressed, tormented Batman. That largely comes from Dark Knight Returns. And that was turned into not one, but actually a two-part DVD animated movie. It is monumental. I thoroughly recommend you check that out. So they take some of these. Some of them work better than others. The problem with The Killing Joke is it is arguably the best Joker story ever, but there isn't enough there to turn it into even an 80-minute animated movie. So they had to pad it out, and the padding is pretty rubbish. But anyway, going back to 1989, there was a one-shot comic, not a graphic novel. It was too short to be a graphic novel, so more in the, of, of the something like The Killing Joke, Gotham by Gaslight. Now, this was created by uh, the artist was Mike Minola and the writer was Brian Augustine. And they came up with an idea so genius 
that you, everybody sat there and went, huh, why hasn't that been done before? I would argue that's the sign of real genius. Not an iterative improvement, but something where it's like, oh my God, that is so obvious. Why haven't we been doing it always like that? So what did they do, I hear you ask? Well, it's simplicity itself. They went, well, look, why don't we put Batman in the Batman story in Gotham City, but we do it in the Victorian era? Hence Gotham by gaslight. So there is no Batmobile, but Bruce Wayne does have a horse and cart or carriage, I should to be precise. And he has a sort of steampunky type series of gadgets as well. But putting Batman into a kind of gothic Victorian setting works. It's an absolute no-brainer of an idea. And it's a really interesting graphic novel story comic, call it whatever you want. And who's the baddie? Well, not the Joker, actually. They strip away a lot of Batman's mythology and instead put him against somebody that, in a weird comic book kind of way, makes complete sense. Because whereas we all know that Batman's got the gadgets and he's got the martial arts and he's very, very rich, the thing we forget about is one of his other titles is the world's greatest detective. So why not put Jack the Ripper into Gotham and have Bruce Wayne slash Batman hunt him down, trying to solve the crime. And I find that a brilliant idea. And that is, if you like, the basis of Gotham by Gaslight, the new animated movie. But a little bit like the Killing Joke movie, there wasn't enough there to create an entire film. So they that's the basis of it. And they've built on it from there. Now, I have to be honest. I would say it is not the best animated movie, but it's certainly an interesting one. And you've got Catwoman as a kind of artiste slash actress. And so there's far more of the characters in there, but yeah, I don't like it. And yes, of course, there's always a twist to these things and the twist doesn't really work. But hey, look, at least they're trying to do something interesting and different with it. Whereas, and I'm looking at you now, Marvel, you managed to take the greatest Hulk story, that planet Hulk, and you managed to chop out all the good stuff. And the bit that remained on the DVD is really anemic by comparison to the to the actual basis story. You could say that this is in the same territory, but DC's got it right far more often than they've got it wrong. And it isn't all Batman as well. I just mentioned a whole bunch of Batman ones, but there's some really good Justice League ones, for example. There's some good Wonder Woman ones too, Supergirl as well. There are loads of really good DC animated movies. I thoroughly recommend you check them out. But this time we are just purely talking about Gotham by Gaslight. So obviously in the lore, L-O-R-E, of Batman, he isn't a Victorian superhero. So what DC did is say, hey, do you know what? This is such a good idea. We're going to have these occasional spin-offs of, in essence, what-ifs. And this series became known as the Elseworlds stories or Elseworld series. And although Gotham by Gaslight, when it was originally launched in 1989, didn't have that brand, it came in afterwards, most people see it as the start of that. And I'd like to tell you just very, very briefly, a such a simple idea, it's genius, about another Elseworld, where it's called uh, the Red Sun. And all it is, is it's the same origin story of Superman, obviously fired off from Krypton as it's all collapsing in on itself. Everything runs exactly the same way, except for one thing. 
they launch his spaceship four or five hours later than they do in the original comics. What does that mean, I hear you ask? Big deal? Well, of course, the Earth is spinning. So if it arrives four or five hours later than it did originally, he doesn't land in the middle of America in the 1930s. Superman lands in the middle of the Soviet Union in the 1930s. And so you now have a very different Superman who's working with the Soviet Union. And yeah, if that sounds interesting, check out Red Sun. But it's that sort of really interesting spin that, you know what, unsurprisingly, because these started getting rave reviews and selling well, Marvel in the 80s and 90s started doing this as well and continue to do so to this day. But I think most comic book aficionados would say that DC does a better job of it than Marvel. But I'm not a DC fanboy. It's just that this happens to be something that they're doing particularly well. Now, the thing is, the slightly frustrating thing from the point of view of a historian is we absolutely get why you're going to stick something like Jack the Ripper into something like this. He is the most famous serial killer ever. But actually, there was an American at this time, and there's a very interesting story about him. I'll be coming on to that a little bit later, but let's first of all look a little bit at good old Jack the Ripper, shall we? So if you don't know, and I, I will keep this brief because almost everybody knows this story, in the year 1888, there were a series of unsolved murders of vulnerable women in the Whitechapel area of London. Now, if you don't know too much about this, or don't know much about Victorian London, Whitechapel at that time was a destitute area. And what's interesting is there are actual maps of London. My sister actually has one hanging on her kitchen wall because she finds it so interesting, where literally every single block in London is colour-coded. And it's either affluent or impoverished or middle class or trading area. But what's interesting is when it comes to poor it doesn't just say poor or depressed or something like that, economically depressed. It says poor slash criminal. Because in Victorian England, being poor was seen as a route to crime. And actually, in a perverse way, they kind of had a point. In, in, in an impoverished area of London, sometimes you're so poor, you might end up stealing some bread to feed your family. But all of this was happening at the same time that we get the beginnings of the Metropolitan Police Department as well. They'd been around for a, a couple of generations or so by the time we get to 1888, but compared to an absolutely modern police force, they really weren't there yet. And what's interesting is that they basically considered certain parts of London, like White Whitechapel, no-go implies that they were fearing for their own lives, and that might have been a case, but it was more a case of nobody here in this area is worth protecting, which is a horrible thing to say, I appreciate that, but I'm just trying to let you into the minds of, sort of Victorian London, and it isn't good, to be honest. So the thing is, when we have these murders happening, the occasional working girl or woman walking down the street being murdered, sadly, in those days, wasn't that unusual. Uh, as the saying goes, being a working girl is easy money, but it is also one of the most dangerous jobs you could ever do because you're alone with strange men. And, and sometimes these women were not exactly pros. They were just trying to earn enough money to stay 
in a in a flat or a, a hotel for for an evening. Um, hotels rather overstating the case, a B and B or a bed uh, bedroom above the a pub or something like that. So. Clearly, whoever was doing these murders was sort of picking the right area because, A, there wasn't going to be a lot of police around, and B, slightly against what actually happened, it was unlikely this was going to be reported or be much of a big deal. But there we are. And what's interesting is that we all now know Jack the Ripper the name. But at the time, he had two other names. There's the Whitechapel murderer, which is a very literal take on what was going on, and also the Leather Apron because one person was seen wearing a leather apron nearby, and a leather apron was quite often used by a butcher. Now, what was undeniably unusual about these murders, and there are a number of murders associated with this, but the core group that seemed to have been done by the same perpetrator or perpetrators is called the Canonical Five. In other words, five seem to have all been done by the same guy or guys, other murders were happening at this time, but as I said, you know, it was a rough and tumble neighborhood. And and yeah, so it's very hard to work out. And of course, this is all before we get to forensic science. So the the murders themselves were quite gruesome. These women were opened up. And indeed, the last murder, because he was able to do it, he or him, uh, them, I should say, were able to do it in a room undisturbed. There are organs basically all over the place. I won't go into it because I want to keep my clean rating for as a podcast, but it's all pretty grisly stuff. But what this is as an example of, actually, is an, a, an example of media frenzy. Suddenly, this was what everybody was talking about in London. So if you wanted to sell some more newspapers, you made sure you printed something about these murders. Indeed, Jack the Ripper was a term never coined by the police, but actually coined by the newspapers. And actually, uh, the critical thing is there is the From Hell letter received by George Lusk of the Whitechapel Vigilancy, uh, Vigilance Committee, I should say. And it came with half of a preserved human kidney. Or so it was claimed at the time. You see, we now know. You may think whatever you may think about the press out there. You might chant fake news or something like that. But today, there are things like libel laws and all kinds of laws that should, in theory, keep the newspapers and TV in check a little bit. It should be quite clear when it's an opinion piece rather than a statement of fact. I am aware it can get blurred. But it really was the Wild West back in the 19th century, and they could pretty much print whatever they wanted. So there is actually still, to this day, more than 130 years later, debate about how much of this might have been a serial killer sending letters in and bits of body in, or is it just newspapers trying to be sensationalist? making stuff up, quite literally fake news. And indeed, we don't know the name of this serial killer. And I think it's safe to say that if the person or people had been... If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Court, this wouldn't be something that we're still talking about. But because this was mass media consumption, it was, if you like, the first time that everybody knew this, this crime was going on, murder spree, if you like. Certainly Jack is not the first mass murderer or serial killer in history and wasn't the last or even the most deadly. but they remain a mystery. And actually, there is, in a weird way, a history of the history of Jack the Ripper. Because when you go back to the very earliest police reports or eyewitness accounts, some of the earliest ones were describing some rather shabbily dressed individuals in the area, suspicious looking men, possibly butchers or working men, which would absolutely blend in with Whitechapel of its time. However, when I said Jack the Ripper earlier on, I'm going to pretty much guarantee you saw somebody in something like a, a suit with probably a top hat, maybe an opera cape as well, because this all came in much, much later. And actually, Jack the Ripper became, in a weird way, a metaphor of the rich killing the poor. Now, I am not going to get into the politics of all that, but that is not what was described early on. And indeed, it led to the Alan Moore graphic novel, From Hell, where we have a fictional detective trying to hunt down Jack and actually reveals this massive conspiracy where it basically it turns out to be Queen Victoria's doctor. I guess spoiler, spoiler, but, you know, that's something that's been out for decades and it was even turned into a Johnny Depp movie. There we go. But the point is, it's a great story. But no. 
It, it, there is no evidence of any of this stuff anywhere. And do you know what? If a guy was walking around in Whitechapel with a top hat on in, in a cape and a nice suit in the middle of a dark, misty night in 1888, they would have been the victim of crime rather than actually them carrying out murders. And they would have been spotted in a moment walking around there. It makes no sense in historical setting, but it does make a great story. So just wanted to set all that out on the table. That is Neon's take on Jack the Ripper. But then we can come to somebody a little bit more obscure. Now, I mentioned earlier Herman Mudgett's murder hotel. And you really have to know your stuff to say, oh, I know who Herman Mudgett is, because actually even he used a different name. He's quite often referred to as H.H. Holmes. So there you go. Holmes had an evil brother way out in America, uh, except, as I've just said, he, that is not his actual name. And he was a genuine serial killer. And he was working in Chicago just a few years after Jack. So he could happily have been the subject of Gotham by Gaslight with Batman hunting him down. And unlike Jack, we actually know who he is and we caught him. When I use the term we, of course, I was not born yet. But here's an interesting thing, just one last point on Jack the Ripper about how desperate the police were. I mean, they were doing the right thing to a certain extent. They were interviewing witnesses. They were taking photos of the scene of the crime and they were sort of taking the bodies in for further scientific study. But there was only so far you could go with the medicines of the 1880s. But here's an example where superstition actually overlays science, because what they did do as they became more and more desperate in trying to find the killer in Whitechapel is they actually took close-up photos of the women's eyes. Why, I hear you ask? Because there was a theory, I hasten to add, a completely debunked, doesn't work at all theory, that, that actually when you die, the last thing you see is ingrained, if you like, on your retina. So it's almost like you have a photo of the very last thing you ever see. And of course, if you're murdered, that should helpfully be the face of your murderer. Turns out that's not actually a thing, and it didn't help them at all. But instead, let's go back to H.H. H. Holmes. So he was operating basically at the same time as the Chicago World Fair, which was actually called uh, the World's Columbian Exposition. This is all in the year 1893. The world fairs, up until, if you like, World War II, were a really big deal. If it came to town, a huge amount of industry and power and technology would be there. And it was a chance to showcase everything you could possibly do. And obviously, there were things, and the British Empire is going to do things like that. And France is going to do these things like that. And it came to Chicago in 1893, in which case all the locals, including Mr. Holmes, is going to you know, try and make some money out of the situation, do something well. Except Holmes was a serial killer. And that was, if you like, his business. And he set up a hotel about three miles away from where you could actually get into the Chicago World Fair. And there is now debate because the problem with Holmes is in a way the same problem with Jack the Ripper. We just don't know enough about Jack the Ripper to know who he is. Now, we do actually know who Holmes is as a human being, but he told so many lies about what he actually did that 
it's very hard to separate fact from fiction. For example, he is credited in some places as having killed 200 or more people, except there is no evidence of that. In the actual documentation of his court case, he admitted to killing nine. That's a big difference in number between nine and 200. But the thing about the nine is actually some of those women were still alive. So he was making it up even then. But he did have this weird house, which he'd specifically rebuilt and repurposed so that if he could lure somebody in there, they couldn't really get out. There were a number of false endings to corridors and fake doors. And the whole thing was a little teeny tiny rabbit's warren, a maze, if you like, where once you're in, pretty much Holmes has got you at his mercy. And that's what happened to a number of women, which is, again, sort of links back to the Jack the Ripper thing that, you know, women in the late uh, late 19th century were quite often pretty vulnerable. What a woman was meant to do, I'm not saying this is right, but what women were meant to do is find a man, marry marry him, and then start the family. So if you were a young independent woman, or if you were a young poor woman who couldn't afford to attract the eye of of a man, you didn't have a lot of, if you like, social network, social support around you to live a young independent life. And if you had someone like Holmes or whoever Jack the Ripper was preying on you, giving you a smiling face and saying you'll help them out. They might have been worried about it, but desperate people do desperate things. And that's, in essence, how Holmes managed to lure people to his murder hotel, as it started to become known as in the Pulp Fiction. But whether or not it was ever actually a fully functioning hotel, that's a completely different story entirely. However, this is all linked to the Chicago World's Fair. And you might be thinking, wait a second, Jim, Chicago's a real place. Gotham isn't. Okay, I hear you. But here's the thing, going back to Gotham by Gaslight, the actual animated movie, is a lot of it is, is again, quite steampunk. You can't have a good bit of steampunk unless you've got a Zeppelin in there. There was a online uh, subscription-based steampunk story on YouTube last year called Last Airship, which I happen to know the guy who's who actually created it. So that was all steampunk. And the whole thing's actually called The Last Airship. But generally, if it's sort of a bit steampunky, at some point, a Zeppelin's going to turn up. And indeed, that happens in this particular movie. And it it does center around some kind of equivalent to the Chicago World Fair. And it has a Ferris wheel there. Now, this is directly linked to the Chicago World Fair. Why, I hear you ask. Well, I will tell you. And that's because the Eiffel Tower in France was never meant to be a permanent structure. I know that sounds bizarre. It's massive, okay? It dominates the central Parisian skyline. I've been up it. I got a bad case of vertigo when I got all the way to the top. So I went down to the to the lower levels. But the point is, it's absolutely gigantic. But here's the thing. It was built for the Parisian World Fair a few years earlier. And it was built to show the world French technology. Because at that time, if you think about it in the late 19th century, if you're talking about world powers, everybody thinks, well, that, of course, has to be 
the British Empire, because at that point it was simply the world's largest empire that had ever existed. The sun never set on the British Empire. And France had had a bad time in 1870 to 71. There was the Franco-Prussian War, where the Prussians won. They won so hard, they ended up inventing Germany. Long story, that one. We won't bother with it. But France kind of had been on the wane for a while. It had had high points with Napoleon and Napoleon III, but really in the 1870s and 1880s, it was clearly second class compared to the British Empire. It did have its own empire. It was fighting, for example, in French Indochina, a place that would continue to see fighting up until the 1970s and would later on be called Vietnam. Anyway, so you could see why France wanted to impress the world. And oh my God, did they get it right. The Eiffel Tower is one of the most famous structures in the world. But here's the kicker. It was meant to be temporary. There were serious considerations after the World's Fair to just tear it down. And France does spend a small fortune continuing to paint it and to ensure its maintenance still exists. And it has lots of wonderful stories about it. I, I won't go into them now. But the point is, the Eiffel Tower quite literally put France back on the world map, or at least the world's consciousness. This is also the time, of course, roughly the same time, that we get the Suez Canal as well. Now, that might have been an Anglo-French engineering masterpiece, but it was another reminder to the world that France did have great engineers. It wasn't all just Germany and Britain at this time. So here's the thing. You've got this French icon out there, which turns out it's going to keep staying there. And therefore, the next place to get the World Fair was Chicago. So what are you going to do to top the Eiffel Tower? And there were all kinds of conversations. My all-time favorite, most insane one was at one point, it purely only went to discussion level, but there was genuinely discussion about, well, why don't we build a slightly bigger Eiffel Tower in Chicago and actually connect a wire between the one in Chicago and the original in Paris? absolutely barking crazy, insanely weird, that one. Funnily enough, that never went further than just discussion time. But you're also looking, if, as I said, Germany and Britain were known throughout the globe for this great industrial might at that time. And America in the 1880s, well, it was still just coming out of the Wild West phase, really. And therefore, America was turning into an industrial power, but it wasn't the premier one yet. But this was a chance to show the world what American technology could do. And so that, in all honesty, was how the Ferris wheel was created. The Ferris wheel and the original first Ferris wheel was created for the Chicago World Fair in 1893, was created and designed to basically be the American response to the Eiffel Tower. And the original Ferris wheel wasn't as big as the Eiffel Tower. I mean, it was it was big. We're sort of talking round about London eye size with those swinging canopies underneath it. And actually, when they put it on its first rotation, there was a metallic shower of nuts and bolts and screws of ones that various workmen had dropped over the construction of it, and they just rained down. And it was a colossal, huge smash. But the problem was that once everybody had ridden it two or three times, they were done. 
And so actually the Ferris wheel, the very first Ferris wheel, it was broken down and then set up somewhere else near Chicago to again, attract people. But again, once you've been round it, you're being round it as it were. And they, they just ran out of reasons to have it. And so the first one actually ultimately lost, lost the money. But the concept, the proof of concept meant that, well, now pretty much any time you go to some kind of circusy type thing, you do get Ferris wheels. They have now become ubiquitous with fairs and things like that. But most of them are very, very small. Genuinely, the original was absolutely colossal. And you get a Ferris wheel in Gotham by gaslight, don't you know? So all of these things together, you can see, you can pull out an awful lot of real history from something as pulpy as Batman. Now, going back to the original story, Gotham by Gaslight, and, and looking at some of the other Elseworld stuff as well, Batman has been in all kinds of places. There's an interesting variation, for example, where the American War of Independence was lost by the Americans, so America remained part of the America, of British Empire. That's an interesting one. Also, I think that the, uh, that one also, Oliver Cromwell's puritanical courts still exist. So in other words, there was no reclamation by the, 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 uh, by Charles II. So you basically, America's part of the British Empire and it's all incredibly puritanical and Batman's kind of pushing against the system there. There's a green man in tower and he's seen as the new hope and, and Batman has to try and get to that. And spoilers, I guess, uh, that turns out that the green man is Superman who's been held there with kryptonite. So if you like, the Elseworld series really allows comic books to cut loose, where people who love a certain character are given free reign to then move them into another area and, and have fun with it and, and play around with it. I mean, at one point in one of the comics, Batman was a uh, was a pirate, which is ridiculous, but pirates are called and Batman's called. So there are loads and loads of these Elseworld stories. But interestingly, on planet Earth, the most popular most famous superhero in the world is Batman. And yet the irony is Batman himself technically has no superpowers at all. Something interesting to pause on there. Right. Okay. I think that is the neon take on Gotham by Gaslight done and dusted. But before you go, I would just like to remind you, do please subscribe to the Neon Podcast. You can do that on neonpodcast.com. We actually have a, an official website. You can look at stuff there. But if you're listening to this on some kind of app, like on Apple, please give us a review. Please subscribe. This all helps to spread the word of Neon. If you want to have conversations with us online, there's Neon Podcast on both Facebook and Twitter. You can also have a look at me as Jem Duducu. That's D-U-D-U-C-U. Uh, and I'm on Twitter as that. I'm on Facebook as History Gems with a G. And if you actually look at this long story as to why this happened, but on YouTube, uh, if you go to at History Gems with a G, literally the at sign at the beginning, I know that should be a Twitter handle, but at History Gems with a G on YouTube, you can actually hear, hear these podcasts again with some visuals. It's not actually a video, but with some visuals as well. So you, you can see we are spreading the love of neon wherever you may go. Please keep telling people about it. Thank you very much.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.